0: Ladies and gentlemen, episode 37 of Infield Dirt. We are back with a two-man pod after a little solo one last week, but it was well-deserved because the Ithaca College baseball team, Immaculata, or whatever you call them, doesn't matter. They lost. Regional champs. Moving on to the Super Regionals. Um, I don't know why they don't just call it the Sweet 16. It sounds a lot better, but it doesn't matter. Super Regionals, that's just what they've always called it for college baseball. Matt Chase is here. Got a little, if I'm not mistaken, a little three-inning save, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Shoved. Absolutely shoved. And uh, the boys will take care of business. That's this weekend. Um, So a little good luck in advance. But like Matt said before we even started recording, let's talk some freaking baseball. A lot has happened since we last spoke. Um, I I guess we could start. I don't even know if this is, if you want to call this the biggest news. I don't know if you've seen what's been going. Have you seen what's gone on with Tim Anderson and the Yankees?
1: Yeah, no, I heard about it. What Um, are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, when it came out, like, I think everyone knew there was going to be some sort of suspension for that. Um, They gave him one game. Um, I don't know. I think, like, first off, with Donaldson saying that they, like, how Tim Anderson, you know, came out and said that, like, he called himself Jackie, referencing Jackie Robinson. Right. And then, like, 2019, they joked about it. So, like, when he says that, you're like, okay, well, if that's true, then, I mean, maybe they were just, you know, joking around. And, you know, he, he kind of has a point of, like, you know, what's the difference now? Right. But then you hear Tim Anderson come out and say that, you know, they've never joked about it and it wasn't meant to be a joke. So, I mean, I'm siding with Tim Anderson on this one just because, um, you know, it it just, it's not a good look in the first place. I don't think he should be, I don't think you should be joking around about Jackie Gomeson in that way, Yeah, even if it was okay with Tim Anderson. Um, Like, that's just, that's, you know, it's disrespectful and um, just not something you should be doing. So I, I thought, you know, one game was uh, maybe a little too weak, but I mean they had to do something. But I would have been okay with you know three or four game suspension. I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm in the same boat.
0: I think that kind of like you said, you know, sure if they've if that's been a uh, you know an inside joke between the two of them in the past, that is one thing. But then it's like you said, Tim Anderson came out and said, yeah, like we don't joke about that. But I think even if it is. You know, something that they had joked about or, you know, you know, they that had been done before, you know, circumstances can change. And, you know, what they once joked about, you know, he could have caught Tim Anderson on a bad day. He could have caught Tim Anderson on a bad week where, like, you know, that stuff wasn't going to fly anymore. And Josh Donaldson doesn't get to decide when something is okay to say, I, I guess, I, you know, I, I think it is kind of, you know, you look at it and you're like, Oh, well, maybe that's not fair to, to be like, well, if you joked about it now, why can't I joke about it? Or if I joked about it then, why can't I joke about it now? But I mean, it's also, you, you got Tony La Russa saying Josh Donaldson's racist, like whether or not I agree, I don't think I agree with that. I don't, I don't think Josh Donaldson is racist. I, it, I think it was just context has a lot to do with this situation and we don't really know, but we just have to take someone's word for it. And it kind of, like you said, like just in the fact that, you know, I think that Tim Anderson is allowed to feel how he feels. And if he feels that Josh Donaldson meant that in a racist way, that's how he's allowed, how, allowed to feel. So I think for that reason alone, you know, I agree that a one game suspension might've been a little light. Um, and you know, uh, but I think it was, you know, it's a situation that the league didn't really know what to do with, but they kind of just had to do, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. It's kind of a, you know, kind of a shitty thing, but it was, it is.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, it, it's it's a shitty situation and a shitty um thing to have happened just because that's not what you want news around the game of baseball to be. Um, but you know, it happened and uh you gotta deal with it now. But I thought I honestly thought that like I was happy with Tony LaRussa um sticking up for yes. his, like standing behind Anderson and stuff like that. Um Grondol too getting, yeah, getting yeah. in his face, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was I thought it was big for the White Sox. Maybe get them going as a team a little bit, but you know, I, you I, never know. I, yeah, I, I, sometimes I, sometimes you need something like that to get going, and the yeah. White Sox needed. I mean, well, no, it, it looked like it. Yeah, you know, on Sunday they took. I mean, they swept the Yankees on Sunday, yep. and they, um, you know, Anderson hit the home run in the eighth inning. But yeah, I mean, as we're recording right now, they're getting beat up by the Red Sox, so yeah. they've kind of they've kind of been up and down all year. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing you can't
0: deny is that the heart and soul of that team is Tim Anderson. So I think when you, you know, as a teammate and as a manager, when you're want, when you're, you know, your best player and the heart and soul of your team gets, you know, is the subject of, uh, you know, whether it is racist or not, whether, you know, when that, that's the star of your team is subject to something like that. You know, you got to stick up for him. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, when you look at Tim Anderson, this is a guy who's hitting 356 right now with five homers, 18 RBIs, and a 911 OPS. I mean, he's been probably statistically the best shortstop in baseball this year, offensively, um, with the glove, not so much. But, I mean, he's made some sick plays. But, you know, uh, he, I mean, Tim Anderson is. I think and I think like, you know, when you look at the root of how all of this started and Tim Anderson basically saying like, I am like this era's Jackie Robinson where I'm going to play with flash and style, um, you know, he's got the numbers to back that up, you know, it's hard to compare anyone to Jackie Robinson because of what Jackie Robinson went through. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, that's a moot point, but um, Tim Anderson's doing it this year. So um But it's, I don't know, it's definitely interesting to see the White Sox not, you know, get off to the slow start that they've gotten off to, where, you know, a lot of people, you know, um, like the two of us saw them as, you know, not only division uh, playoff contenders, but World Series contenders as well, right? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think that a lot, I mean, they're, they're really bad offensively right now. Yeah which is surprising because they've got a lot of good players. Tim Anderson, Luis Roberts have really been their only bright spots.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, Jimenez went down early. Abreu's been really mm-hmm. bad. Gavin um, Sheets has hit a few home runs, but his average is pretty low. Grindall struggling. Moncada just came back. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Harrison's so like they're the most part, for the most part, their lineup's really struggling. Yeah. And then you add that to Liam Hendricks being a little inconsistent and, you know, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, Lynn hasn't pitched at all. And Giolito has been hurt a little bit. Um, you know, Kopech's been really the bright spot yeah, in that rotation. Yeah. He's been really good. Um, cease was good until tonight. He had a tough one tonight, but he's been pretty solid for the most part. Um, but you know, like Dallas Keuchel, you know, Vince Velasquez, a couple of guys that are probably past their prime in the rotation. Um, so I think I think once Lynn and Julio come back, the White Sox, um, and I also just, eventually that that lineup's gonna yeah. they're gonna hit more. Yeah. You know, they got too many talented guys, um, which once they do, I think they'll be fine. That division's not very good. Yeah, it,
0: it's true. I I think at the end of the year they're gonna be okay. I don't see the Guardians offense continuing to do what they do. Um the yeah. twins are like a legitimate threat with how good their pitching staff has been. Um so I You know, I think that, you know, regardless of of where the White Sox are now, I think we can agree that they're going to be there at the end of the year. And, you know, yeah, obviously they're getting beat up by the Red Sox tonight. But I think, like you said, you know, it was a big step for them, you know, beating up on probably the best team in baseball at this point, uh, the Yankees. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on when you look at that. Um, I wonder what your thoughts are on a bigger topic that we've touched on a couple of times, but something that I brought up in the last uh, episode um, when I like looked at some of the numbers, but what do you think about the fact that do you think that it's a silver lining when you look at the baseballs this year and the obvious fact that like they are dead and you can't really deny it at this point? But do you think that the silver lining is that we're finding out who the true power hitters in baseball are? Whereas like you look back at, you know, 2019 and you've got a guy like uh, like Jeff McNeil hitting 22 homers in that year. You know what I mean? Whereas now, like you're the guys who are at the top of the leaderboard in home runs are like pretty much everybody that you'd expect I wonder, do you think that's sort of a silver lining where, like I said, we're finding out who those true power hitters really are?
1: Um, You know, it it definitely could be because I remember during the COVID year, um, you know, there was a lot of guys that were just hitting, uh, you know, way more home runs than they typically did. I remember AJ Pollock had like 22 and 60 games, which, you know, he normally has 22 in a full season. Um, But... In general, I, you know, I don't like the dead end baseballs. I think it's, you know, ridiculous the fact that they're changing the balls all the time. Um, You know, you're seeing, it's just like when you're watching a major league baseball game and you see a guy just absolutely crush a ball and, you know, the pitcher, you you know, he's like, oh, there it goes. And then it it ends up at the warning track. Uh, You know, it's just like, I, I don't, you know to increase fans i think you want you know more runs scored and you know people like home runs they enjoy them so i mean yeah you're still going to see the top players in the game hit their home runs because they're studs um but i i do think that um you know in terms of finding out who actually hits you know who can actually hit home runs you know It could be a positive, but I think in general for baseball, they want to see as many home runs, as many runs scored as possible.
0: Yeah, no, you're definitely right. It's just better for the game. Um, And it's kind of just been like, uh, I don't know. Cause I, I I mean, like we rely on, you know, you guys, the listeners to let us, you know, we can't, we don't watch every single game, obviously. Like I know, you know, I try and watch as many as possible. Obviously I watch the Mets every the Mets are the one, the team I watch every, or at least I try to watch every day. So like, you know, I notice things in those games. And one of the things I've noticed is Pete Alonzo, like he'll, you know, I, and I've seen McNeil do it a couple of times too, but Alonzo especially will like, he'll hit a ball and you're like, Oh, Oh, that one's gone. And then it'll, like you said, it dies at the warning track. And it's like, I, I think like, you can read a lot off of the body language of some of these guys when they're coming around first base and they've got their hands over their head because they're like, how the hell did that ball not go out? Cause like major league hitters, they know when they've got one, you know, and like you can tell when a major league hitter isn't sure that the ball is going to go out or thinks it's a pop-up, which was like what we saw all the time in 2019 and in the COVID year. But like this year, I feel like you're seeing so many times, like you're seeing hitters thinking that they squared a ball up and it just completely dying um so i wonder if like we've we've talked about and kind of pondered on this before if they're just gonna ride this out for the year or whether you know maybe they try and make a switch at the all-star break or they just start mixing the balls in i mean it's pretty obvious like the balls are juiced for the espn games right yeah yeah like Whenever there's even, a
1: prime time game, yeah. the balls are whatever they used to be—the right. ones from last year. Right. But if you're watching Oakland and Seattle play, I mean, you're gonna have to see a guy really crush a ball for yeah. it to get <laughs> on. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're de- you're
0: definitely right. Yeah. It's it it is kind of crazy the way that it because they're not even it doesn't even seem like they're trying to hide it. I mean, also baseball said like we change the balls like we have messed with the balls so. I don't know. Like, I, I guess like do us as fans have to kind of just accept this shit or just, or, or just move on. I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know what the, the end game is for, for the balls. I, I mean, you've still got guys who are doing, I, I mean, I just feel like at this point in the year, you would see more guys with over 10 homers. You would see more guys with a, you know, like a 340 batting average. It's still early in the year, you know, and I don't know.
1: I, I, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I think, I don't, I think the way the game's going to go this year, you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, guys with lower numbers, lower batting averages, less home runs. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I've kind of accepted it just in yeah. the fact that yeah. we as fans have no control over it. And, right. you know, they know everyone knows the balls are not the same this year and most likely they'll get new baseballs next year that fly out of the park and home runs will be, you know, the rates will go through the roof and we'll be talking about, you know, is this a good thing for baseball? Are there too many home runs? But um, you know, I, I think that in general though, the game, the way the game's been going in the past years, you know, as we've talked about, is lower batting averages. You know, trying to do damage with your hits. You know, we you watch you watch Sunday night baseball game, for example, and you know they hardly show or care about batting average and home runs and stuff like that. They have you know the advanced metrics. The um, uh, I can't think of what the stat is off the top of my head right now, but um, I think it's I don't, I don't, maybe weighted runs created. I don't know something like that. But like the league average is like one hundred. Oh, then, well, league average for it's either way, to, it's probably OPS
0: plus, right? Something like that, yeah, where it's yeah. the league
1: average is 100, and then yeah. they have that player stat. Yeah. Yeah. Which is basically like what you go off of if he's yeah. a, you know above league average, that type of stuff. So, I mean, just like watching the game, you can just see the, the emphasis isn't really on traditional stats anymore. Right. And, um, you know, the outcome of that is going to be guys hitting 180 or, um, you know 230 and and being in lineup well that's the crazy thing is all of those like
0: ops plus is like it's league adjusted and it's also i i think i'm pretty sure ops plus is park adjusted yeah so it's like all of this there's all this external stuff that comes into account whereas like what's league average one year like 100 is always league average like you said but like you know a guy could have an an it's like I mentioned in the last episode, like especially with this year, you know, if your OPS, OPS right now is like in the mid sixes, you're a league average hitter or you like, if you're on the high sixes, you're an above league average hitter where usually like seven, I think it's like 750 something used to be like above league average, but now it's like dropped almost a 100 points, which just shows how weak um, offenses are. So, and that, and that is, I I think you're definitely right. That's part of the problem with these, um, these advanced metrics is that they, they fluctuate so much. Whereas like with the traditional metrics, batting average, you know, even batting average OPS on base percentage, home runs, RBIs, you know, there's no, there's no faking that really. And I'm not saying that you can fake OPS plus, but you know, I mean, if you look at some guys in the league who are by OPS plus standards, league average hitters, like I talked about in the last episode, Glaber Torres was hitting two twenty-nine, but according to OPS Plus, he's an above league average hitter. It's like one oh seven or something. Um, that's not above league average. Like that, yeah. that's what that's I mean, you're almost 200 is the Mendoza line for a reason. It's shit. Like, you should... You're bad if you're hitting down there for a major league hitter. So...
1: But that's the way the game is moving. So... Well, I mean, you see it all... You see it, you know... Now when you check a box score, I mean... You'll you'll see a box score. You'll see one guy hitting over 300. You'll see probably two guys hitting above 250. And, you know, there could be three or four guys hitting below 200. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know... It just is what it is, you know. The league now, the craziest part is this year. When I watch a game, not the league batting average is two thirty, around two thirty. Right. You know, I'll see a guy like Anthony Rendon. I was watching the Angels game that night, and he comes up and he's said two twenty nine. Two years ago, I would been like, "Wow, he's really struggling, like yeah. really struggling." And he came up, and I was like, "Two twenty nine, about league <laughs> average. Yeah, like he's doing all right. Yeah, which is absurd. I mean, that that's absurd." You know, people it, it analytics are great for helping you win a baseball game yeah. and helping you try and make a create a, a competitive team with what you have. Yeah. And you know, there's no doubt like you look at the Brewers and the Rays, they don't have a lot of guys that hit for average. They really don't have any, but they win a lot of games, you know, pitching, defense, all that stuff. But as a fan, I mean, I don't want to go to a game to watch a team that's got nobody hitting above 250. Yeah, that's boring. You know, I know. that's just Yeah, you get, you get one excitement when one guy hits a home run. It's like, oh, there's my that's the that's the, you know, hit they get today. That's how they win. But it's boring. I think that's
0: part of the problem. It's like a whole bigger issue is that the league and, you know, the honestly, like the people who put the teams together, it's not. They're not doing it with the thought process of putting an exciting product on the field, which like has its ups and downs, like obviously, like they're putting together a product that they think is going to win a championship, which in the end will obviously make their fan base happy, but it's true. Like you watch, uh, you know, a lot of these teams, like you watch the Rays, you watch the, the brewers, like you mentioned, and they're not necessarily playing a super like fun, exciting brand of baseball. Um, And I don't know, like I'd rather watch, I'd rather watch the Yankees and I'd rather watch, you know, the Dodgers and, You know, I know these are the bigger teams, but it's like they're hitting the ball. They're, you know, they're getting good pitching, obviously, but they're also like they're scoring runs and it's just like, I don't know. I know pitching is, you know, as someone who, you know, you and I are and were pitchers. So like we understand the the art of pitching and like we can appreciate that, of course. And most baseball fans, all baseball fans appreciate good pitching but it's like it's it's not like that's why pitching matchups like when you get a good pitching matchup like you know when you when you have you know Cole against Verlander or like Scherzer against Nola something like that when you have pitching matchups like that that's why they're so exciting because it's like oh you don't necessarily you don't generally see two aces going at it all the time that's why let's tune in because i want to watch this pitchers duel but now every game it seems like is a pitcher's duel when you've got like nobody's like you know on the mound you know pitching into the sixth and seventh inning and allowing zero or one runs it seems
1: like it's Mm -hmm. happening way more often
0: yeah
1: you know so on it so bringing up that we both have been pitchers you know at points in our lives um you know i i look at it as you know so I played, you know, division three baseball and yeah. obviously we don't, and division three baseball, it's old school baseball. It's, right. you know, when you yeah. get two strikes, you choke up and you throw your hands. Oh. And as a pitcher, you know, when you get a pitcher kid, let's say one, two, you know, you get to a good pitch. And sometimes the kid just throws his hands at the ball right. and he's choked right. up sure. and he slaps the base hit. And that's how baseball used to be played. Yeah. The difference is in the big leagues, they don't care anymore about strikeouts. So now they just tell them, you get down 0-2, you still take a hack. You know, you don't need to choke up. We'd rather you swing and miss, but have the shot that, you know, you get a pitch to drive and crush it. So, you know, with that comes a lot of swing and miss, a lot of, you know, pitchers duels, a lot of potential, you know, guys taking perfect games and no hitters deep in the games. And, you know, like you said, like, if Corbin Burns is pitching against Jacob DeGrom, hell yeah, I'm all for pitchers duel, like, that's fun but when you know taiwan walkers facing Zach of the phillies yeah right sure you know yeah. like i don't need it to be zero zero <laughs> in the ninth
0: you yeah. know yeah no i i totally agree and it's you know the the, the the point that you mentioned about d3 baseball like another thing like you know for someone like you know myself who didn't throw very hard you know one of the things was pitching to contact was such a big emphasis on, you know, when you don't throw as hard. And it's, I guess it's like, you could say it's like that at the major league level, but everybody throws hard. Now. I I mean, the guys who are throwing 88 to 90 miles an hour are so few and far in between where like everybody is up there, 95, 96, 97, like everyone. And then the bullpen, you barely see arms that are under 98. So, I mean, the strikeout is just like, if you throw that hard, why pitch to contact? Like, I mean, the the more you pitch to contact, the more hits you're going to give up. So why do it? Mm-hmm. And that's why there's yeah, such an yeah. emphasis on you know spin rate, your um, you know, all of that stuff. And you know, it, it just because the the ball is you know you know, and that's why you know when you think about pitchers would rather give up the walk, I think, than give up the hit because. Yeah. the more balls that are put in play, the more hits and runs that are it's, I mean, it's obvious when you say it out loud, but I think, you know, that kind of is the fundamental approach. Whereas like you've you got guys like in the past, you think about guys like Greg Maddox, who, you know, made their living pitching to soft, weak contact. And, um, and that there's still a little bit of that, but it's, it's mostly lost and it's, All of it affects each other. The hitting approach, the pitching approach have all kind of come together to, you know, produce this brand of baseball. That's just uh, for the casual fan is boring as hell. And for us, you know, diehard baseball fans is starting to become that way as well. Um, So. I mean, I don't know what can or will be done, but. I will say, and I don't know if this is something you've noticed as well, and maybe, you know, I, I know our, our our few viewers probably are just like, God damn it, every time something happens, he brings up the Mets. But it's just the games I watch the most. So, um, But they've really, like, it seems like their hitters are making a conscious effort to beat the shift and really just, like, I mean, I've seen more bunts laid down than like just this year that I haven't probably the last three years watching the Mets. Um, I mean, guys are laying down bunts left and right. They're forcing te- I mean, teams will shift Jeff McNeil in the first game of a series and in the first at bat, he'll just slap a ball to the other way. And I know not everybody's Jeff McNeil, but I mean, you're seeing guys, all guys are doing it. Even, even Alonzo is doing it. Um, and I don't know if maybe you've noticed this with other teams. I have as I, I mean, I've noticed it with some other teams, especially like teams like the Giants. I've gotten to see them play a couple of times. Um, they are super impressive and super good at beating the shift. Um, and like, so maybe it's starting to kind of balance itself back out.
1: Um, or is that just something? Is that just me, or have you noticed that as well? I don't know. Yeah, no, I've noticed it, and I think it's something that's just a natural evolution of baseball, I think you go through periods of things like this, where the original strategy, well, let's just hit it over the fence and be it that way, or just right. Right, keep with the same approach to where it's now. I think more guys are like, you know, screw this. I, I ground out 40 times a year to the second baseman who's in deep right field. Right. Like I'm done with this, you know, right. there should be hits. So what adjustment do I need to make? And the guys that have, are some of the guys that are having a lot of success. And it's, you know, it's really nice to see because I think it's now showing teams that having guys that can beat the shift and hit the ball to all fields are productive players. You don't need to just hit it out. You know, if you can get guys, you know, like a guy who's really like, you can't shift him this year is Manny Machado. You cannot shift him. He'll beat you to any field. And he's such a talented player that, you know, he's been able to do that since he was 19. Um, but now he's, you know, really just locked in. That's why he's hitting, you know, at roughly like three seventy or something like that. Yeah. Um, but when you have, you know, when you have guys that can beat the shift, they're they're very valuable. And I, I know they're getting rid of the shift next year. But I think in general, since the shift started, I think teams should have been focusing on developing guys that can go to all fields, like a Stephen Kwan because. Yeah if you can hit the ball off fields, you'll hit for a higher average. And, you know, my personal opinion, I don't know what the analytics would say, but I think if you have more guys that can put the ball in play and put the ball off fields, you'll score more runs. I yeah, it's really true. Know. Yeah,
0: no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that you're, you're definitely right. Like where baseball just goes through its ebbs and flows sort of. And, um, and I think that that's definitely true in, in this case where, you're kind of seeing guys adjust. And I think one of the things that stood out to me was I heard Dallas Braden say, um, you know, that he's sick and tired of hearing. And, and this is a guy who's, you know, you know, obviously take it with a grain of salt. He's a pitcher. Sure. But at the end of the day, he's been around major league hitters and in a major league clubhouse. And he's, he sees major league hitters every day. He knows their skill level, you know, all, uh, you know, better than, you know, most. and, you know, I hear him say like, he's sick and tired of hearing the excuse that pitchers are too good for guys to go the opposite way. It's it like, it is, it's not that it is a choice that guys are making to not do that. Like you said, they're choosing to sell out for one pitch every at bat and try and do the most damage possible with that pitch rather than, you know, try and work in that bat grind out in that bat. Um, because at the end of the day, what he's saying is like, these are the best hitters on the planet for a reason. If they want to hit the ball to the opposite field, if they want to shorten up their swing and try and poke the ball through the hole, they have the ability to to do that no matter what the pitcher is doing. So that was something that really stood out to me. Um, and it's, it's definitely been something that's that like, I've kept in the back of my mind when watching this year, but um, yeah, it, it it's interesting. It, it It's definitely interesting. I, I mean, I trust his
1: judgment. I mean, I, but it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a big claim to make, you know, I no, I agree with it. You know, I, yeah. I agree with that. I, you know, I a hundred percent think that, you know, the Joey, Joey Gow is a perfect example. He came out and admitted it. He said, You know, I remember early in spring training, reporter asked him what, you know, is he going to make any changes for this year to try and increase his average? And he said, you know, basically, no, I'm, what I do is I don't hit for a high average, but I hit home runs. And that's what I've been doing in my career. That's what I'm going to do this year. And that's how I play the game. Um, You know, it's a mindset thing. And you see it with other guys like uh, DJ LeMahieu. You know, he's a perfect example of somebody on the other side of the scale. He puts the ball in play. He tries to hit for average. Um, but the thing I just don't agree with is it's just so such clear evidence that every year, the team that wins the world series has the most guys in their lineup that are putting the ball in play and not striking out. And every year we, we sit, we come on here and we tell, and we talk about like, wow, they just, you know, they battle, they, you know, didn't yeah. strike out. They put the ball in play. They hit the ball hard a big time, timely hitting. Yeah. When you have guys in your lineup that are just swinging for the fence, you know, you're, you know, if Joey Gallo comes up in game five of the ALDS against, you know, Michael Kopach and there's a guy in third and two outs, that run's not scoring <laughs> as long as it's not a pass ball. Everyone's just probably not scoring, you know, yeah. like, but if DJ LeMay up there, I'm thinking, man, he's at least going to put a, you know, he's going to choke up. If he needs to, he's going to try and put a ball in play. Yeah. And I player. like, I, yeah. And I like, you know, it's not a guaranteed RBI, but sure. I, I take my chances. No, you're definitely right. It is true. And
0: you, you notice that you will, it, it always seems like we notice it so much more in the postseason when you've got, uh, you know, when you've got guys just grinding out at bats, and you're like, dang, like these guys are really, you know, they're really doing it, but it's the, there's a reason that that team is in the postseason, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and, and you're exactly right. Um, they're there because of, because they have guys in their lineup who can do that. And you need that in the playoffs because generally the best teams that are in the playoffs are, have the best pitching staff. So you've got to get that starter to hundred pitches before the fifth or sixth inning. So you can get to the bullpen um, and give you your best chance to win. So, um, or even, you know, in some cases, you know, you beat up on that pitcher early and grind out at bats and get him in tough spots before you get to the bullpen or you don't have a chance. But um, I want to go back to something you said earlier when you mentioned Machado um, and you look at his numbers this year, you mentioned, I mean, he's hitting 365 third in the league in OPS. There's only four hitters right now in the league um, with an OPS over a thousand. If you had to guess who those four hitters are without looking at them, who would you think? Obviously, Machado is one. Who do you think the other three are? It's not like um, it's not a crazy. none of them are crazy, but it's just it's cool to look at.
1: Um, I'd probably just because I'm a fan. Jose Ramirez has got to be one. Yep. he's balled out. Mm-hmm. Um, Mookie Betts, maybe I know he's really he's become... ju-
0: he just missed. He's at Mookie Betts is at nine sixty. Um. And Aaron Judge has been a monster. Yep, yep. he's oh, no. one. There's one more. It's Judge Machado Ramirez, and then he actually this guy that you not play? oh is it? Uh, I mean, Mike Trout guy. Yeah, there. yeah. Okay, yeah. it's all I. I freaking love it. I mean, it's not like it. It shouldn't be a surprise, but just like after being injured, you know, in the past, it's just like so awesome to see him back up there as pretty much the best player in baseball. But that's kind of what I wanted to ask, like you know, with judge just being an, an animal this year, he's got five more homers than anybody else in baseball. Um, I mean, who do you think is, is Mike Trout still the best player in baseball this year? Is it, it, you know, does judge have a chance to, 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 you know, claim that that title if he continues the way he is or maybe Machado with the elite defense that he plays. What do you think? I mean, is it going to be Mike Trout if he keeps going? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's Mike Trout just because it's the LeBron effect, basically, yeah. where we just get so numb to how good he is at baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still a guy that's going to hit you 30 to 40 homers, steal you some bases, driving. I mean, he's Mike Trout. Yeah. He's, I he's think so he's still good. the best player. I think there are other – like when Mookie Betts gets rolling, he's yeah. – when Mookie Betts is at his best, he's as good as Mike Trout, but he's yeah. not as consistent. Um, Judge one. is having a monster year, no doubt. Jose Ramirez having a monster year. Machado, but I don't think anyone has as much of an impact on their team as Mike Trout does. Just, I mean, that dude does it all. Um, and God, I, they're looking good right now. The Angels, I, you know, I hope they can keep it up because it would be fantastic to see them in the playoffs. I'd love to see them
0: in the playoffs too, man. I really would. I hope. Ta- I mean, Taylor Ward out of nowhere, like for a couple of weeks, yeah. was in was better than Mike Trout. Had better numbers. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, which you expected. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, and and I think you know, it, it's interesting because you look at two of the guys in that in that uh, list that we looked at with uh, an OPS over a thousand. You've got Judge and Ramirez, and it's kind of interesting because they're both on opposite ends of the the business spectrum this off season. Where you've got R- Jose Ramirez, who probably could have requested a trade to you know another team because you know it wasn't looking like the Guardians were going to make any sort of noise, um, and you know he decided to sign a long term contract. He said he loves Cleveland, he loves this city, he's happy here, he wants to win here. And he's going off. And, and it's it seems kind of odd because you're, I feel like we're more used to seeing the Aaron Judge where he's like, you know what, I, I want to test the free agent market. And no knock on Aaron Judge for wanting to do that. But like both of them are on opposite ends of that, that business mindset. But yet they're both playing out of their minds. I, it, I feel like it's just, you don't see that often where, you know, you've got a guy like, for example, you got Michael Conforto last year, who the Mets offered a hundred million dollars. He turned it down. He said he wants to bet on himself. He went out, he had a horrible year. I mean, obviously he ended up getting hurt in the offseason, which was probably one of the reasons he didn't get signed, but it definitely, the way he performed last year hurt his chances at, you know, a big contract. And, uh, and that very well could have happened with Judge too, but he is just, he's playing like, you know, he's insane. He's just going off. And I wondered if you think that, um, you know, with the way he's playing now, if he's able to sustain that, I mean, if he says, if he sustains 75% of the way he's playing right now, he, he might be the MVP. Um, but if he sustains that or, or a level close to it, do you think that Aaron Judge um, – do you think he gets a $300 million contract this offseason?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I okay. think he gets a huge deal. Um, I think that, you know, in the past we've seen guys that double down on themselves and then they perform, they get paid. Um, you know, if he stays healthy and keeps up the numbers he's having, he's going to have a career year. And, I mean, someone's going to give him a lot of money – they always do. Someone always ends up paying. Um, I you know, I think it was good. The Yankees didn't give them anything more than what they originally offered just because I'm not a big fan of a $300 million contract, no matter who it's for. Sure. Um, just cause it, it makes it tough to build a team around that guy. You know, we've seen that in Philly with Bryce Harper and, in um, LA with Mike Trout, but, um, yeah. And then just Jose Ramirez, I mean, you're right. It is rare to see a guy who took less money. Um, you know, the guardians told him. They said, "Hey, we're not going to be able to pay you what you're worth, but we would love to still. You know, we obviously still want you. Um, you know, he is the face of the franchise. He clearly loves the city of Cleveland. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's a stud. He's always been a stud. Yeah, um, he's the heart of that team. It was it was really refreshing to see that." Yeah, I agree. because, you know, he clearly, he obviously could have just been like, well, if you can't pay me what I'm worth, then I'm, you know, I, I'm going to go somewhere else and get as much money as I can, which I'm sure the Guardians would have been like, all right, you know, that's, that's fair. We're going to trade you at some point this season, but, you yeah. Um, yeah, he gives them a chance to keep the franchise player and then have an opportunity to build around him and hopefully, for my sake, have a playoff team in the future. That's right. You're Cleveland
0: Guardians. I always, I always forget that, that little part of it, but yeah. you know, it, it's interesting because Aaron judge, isn't someone, I feel like people forget this a lot. I've mentioned it a couple of times, but you know, Aaron judge is 30, he's 30 years old right now. He's mm-hmm. not, you know, not that 30 years old is old. I mean, he's right in the middle of his prime, but like, you know, He's older than Mike Trout and he's older. Is he older than Mike Trout? I think he might be. I,
1: I think, think so. older yeah. or the
0: same age. They're, they're about the same age. Okay. Mike Trout's 30. Yeah. They're the same age. Um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, that he is older than Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's 29. Yeah. A lot of people forget that. Um, and like, These guys like Harper and Trout, the big contracts that they signed, even Manny Machado, a guy who signed a 10-year contract, these guys all signed these deals. Mookie Betts is another name. These guys all signed these deals when they were 25, 26, 27 years old. Um, It's a big difference. Giving a 30-year-old a $300 million contract is – that's a big – I mean that's a huge risk because – obviously, like I said thirty years you're not old when you're thirty, but in professional sports, being on the wrong side of thirty years old generally means you know your health and your production will eventually start to taper off unless you're justin verlander um but uh but yeah, I mean, I don't know I don't I, I agree with you where I don't think he should get a $300 million contract. And and I'm not saying this because I don't think Aaron judge is one of the best players in baseball. I just think strictly because of his age, I don't think it's worth it. How many more years, you know, if he, unless you want to pay him crazy AAV where you're giving him, you know, close to 40 million a year, um, you know, you're going to have to dole out close to, 10 years in order for that contract to you know in order to keep that down there so i don't know i don't know if i see it yeah
1: yeah i mean i I just think that traditionally when we've seen a guy of his caliber come out they've gotten a big contract but on the other hand you know We've also seen examples of guys like Albert Pools where they got, the, you know, Pools got the contract when he was in his thirties, early thirties yep. with Anaheim. It didn't pan out well at the end yep. of his career. Same thing with Miguel Cabrera in Detroit. Yep. Um, the end of his contract's been, you know, a slow process for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think giving a guy, a you know, a long-term deal, in his, you know, age 30, 31 season, not a great idea. Yeah. So to get $300 million, he's probably going to need a, you know, a seven year deal or something like that. Six or seven year deal, eight year deal. Um, I personally wouldn't give it to him no matter the year he has, I would give Aaron judge a three or four year deal without a doubt. But am I going to pay him for eight years when he's 38? Probably not. I mean, you got to consider, you know, he's, six foot eight. He's a big dude. He's yeah. been injury prone, um, you know, and just the natural effects of getting older. I mean, that's going to wear on him as well. So um, I don't know. I think the universal DH will definitely help him though. Yes. Because now it'll give him, you can, you know, you can look at him and say the giants. I know the giants were interested. They can be like, well, if he's 37 and can't run anymore, we'll just DH him. You know, so yeah. that's, that's going to be positive for him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You're already,
0: we're already seeing the impact of the universal DH really, you know, working its magic with the Phillies and Bryce Harper, who's got a, you know, Bryce Harper's got a torn UCL. He can't play right field right now, but he's yeah. been in the lineup every night still because he can just that's go up, up there and hit It's huge, yeah, it's a huge impact. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, Bryce Harper
1: would be on the sidelines right now if there was no a yeah. universal DH. So, um, yeah, normally we'd be talking about Bryce Harper missing one of his prime years, yeah, you know, he'd be yeah. out for six, eight weeks or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And there's right. no reason for that. There's no reason. For yeah. That.
0: I agree. 100%. Um, I want to ask you, um, a couple of, there's a couple of players who have gotten off to, um, really hot starts this year. Um, and i want to ask you whether or not uh, the hot, uh a couple hot starts and a couple of gotten off to pretty cold starts i want to ask you whether or not you think you know this will this is you know whether how where the bs meter where you're at on the bs meter with with this these hot starts and where you're at on the panic meter with the cold starts so i'll start with one of the hot starts here um You know, none of the numbers really jump off the page except for uh, a few of them. Um, And it's Andrew Benintendi, um, a guy who came onto the scene, you know, with Boston, um, looked like he was going to be a star, um, was very, very inconsistent uh, and then kind of obviously ended up fizzling out and getting traded to Kansas city where he was garbage last year. But now In 42 games, Um, he's hitting 327 um, with a 394 on base and slugging 420, 814 OPS. Um, You know, none of of the numbers. He's hit two homers and driven in 18 runs. Obviously, those don't um, jump off the table, but he's still getting hits. And, uh, you know, you can't argue with him, you know, with the fact that he's getting on base as well. Do you buy
1: the hot start from Andrew Benintendi? Yeah, I do. Um, okay. I think he's, you know, I was really high on him when he got called up. Um, I remember watching him play at Arkansas. Uh, he was SEC Player of the Year, I believe, over Dan B. Swanson and uh, Alex Bregman. Yeah. But he won the Golden um, Spikes Award that year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it, he might not yeah. have been an SEC player, here, but Golden Spikes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he came up with Boston. He hit, you know, first two years, he hit really well in Boston, um, you know, 271 and 2017, 290 in 2018. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's had it in him. I know at yeah. the end in Boston, he really struggled and last year in Kansas city. I mean, he finished at 276 with 17 bombs, but sure. he's not really a huge home run RBI guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the advanced numbers haven't always really favored him as a, as a really great player, but he's one of those guys, when you watch him, he is, I mean, he's a, he's a really good baseball player. Um, and I think, you know, it's, I think he could be a guy that you could build around in Kansas City or trade him at the deadline. Um, he's gonna be a valuable guy. Yeah, he's hitting 327, like you said. The league average is 230, so um, he's way above that. So yeah. you know, any playoff team's gonna want a guy that can get hits. And I don't think he's a bad outfielder. I know. Um, I believe the defensive metrics don't really favor him too much. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might. I'm pretty he's sure to athlete but, though. I mean, you you know, but he's that. not a bad. You know, like he's just one of those guys. I think where um he's battled some injuries a fresh start in Kansas City a young team um you know he's he's at age 27 right now which is really when his primes about to start so um you know I, i'm buying that hot start i you know i'm with you and i and i think
0: I was probably a little harsh when I said he was garbage last year. You know, when you look at those stats, like they're not they're not bad and and yeah, especially last just
1: year. incredible,
0: yeah. yeah, exactly from I think the problem is like him bursting onto the scene as a rookie and you know hitting two ninety five and um in in a couple of games and then his next year, you know hitting twenty homers driving in ninety runs, you expected something like that every year. And I think that that might just not be the kind of player he is. Um, the thing that I will say about this year is his batting average on balls and play is 370. So, you know, that's a very, that's a crazy high BABIP to, um, to sustain. Um, but, you know, he's always been right around 300. Um, you know, he's been over 300 in, on his, with his batting average on balls and play every single year except the pandemic shortened season. So he's a guy that when he puts the ball in play, good things happen. Um, So I think that to expect a 300 batting average from Andrew Benintendi isn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, And I, I I think I do buy this hot start. I think he's going to be, that might be the player he is where he's just going to turn into that guy. He's going to get you a 300 batting average, maybe close to 200 hits um and you see what else um maybe not a lot of power maybe he'll drive in some runs but that's valuable like you said um one of the guys another guy that I want to ask um and another guy's who got off to a very hot start and he's a guy who a lot of people for the past couple of years sort of like Ben Benintendi they've written him off but for different reasons and it's Eric Hosmer um another guy who you know not off to you know not showing crazy power numbers necessarily driven in 24 runs um but he's hitting 324 387 on base 459 slug um and he's really a big reason why the Padres are where they are without Fernando Tatis Jr right now so do you buy Eric Hosmer's hot start this year
1: um no i don't i think I think Hosmer is a really good player. Um, I think that when San Diego gave him the contract, the expectation that he was ever going to be a thirty home run guy was too much. Yeah, um, he was he was never a thirty home run guy in his prime in Kansas City. So I don't really, I never really understood that. But I think you know I don't. He's not going to hit three twenty four the entire year. I think he'll finish around two eighty five, which is still very good. Um, and the Padres will take that without a doubt. But um, you know, I think he's hes a good player. He's a good RBI guy. You know, he's another guy that's, you know, he, he needs to hit for high average or else offensively. He doesn't really bring you a ton. Like if he was hit 220, he wouldn't be a positive offensive right. player just because he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Um, but I think that – I just think that when he left Kansas City, the, the kind of the talk about him – became really negative all of a sudden. And it's not like he's been a bad player for them. Yeah. But I think that the expectations going into it were that he was going to turn into an even better player, which, you know, I don't know. I never, I personally don't think that's fair to a guy if for five years he's he's been one guy, you know, one player to just expect him to take another step forward just because you paid him more money. Right. Um, But yeah, I don't, you know, he's gone off to a good start, but hitting, you know, 3.30 on the year. Like, I don't think that'll, you know, I don't think he's going to keep that up necessarily. I agree. And I think you you make a really good point where
0: Eric Hosmer has been a certain type of player for a long time. Um, and I think that the problem was when he signed with San Diego, number one, he signed a huge contract, which is always going to bring expectations, but he also, he was a part of that. um, You can't really call him a core because it's not like he was brought up through the organization, but he was part of that, like Will Myers, Eric Hosmer, um, Manny Machado, where, you know, these are the guys that are going to, like these guys right here are going to bring you a championship. And then you, he kind of, he had a bad first year with the Padres. And I think that that really overshadowed Anything else that he did. I mean, his first year with San Diego, he's still the thing about Eric Hosmer is he plays. I mean, this is a guy who every year except, I I mean, you look at 2012, 152 games, 13, 159, 14, he only played 130, but then 15, 16, and 17, 158, 158, 162. This is a guy who plays a lot. And I think, you know, in 2018, he only had 18 homers, had 69 RBIs, nice, um, and hit 253. But in 2019, 22 homers and 99 RBIs, and he hit 265. I think that that is like, you know, that's a that's a pretty decent expectation for Eric Hosmer. And I think people, you know, then you had Jake Cronenworth come along. You had Tatis really overshadow I mean, everyone in baseball as he should. And I think that Eric Hosmer's, you know, his inconsistencies at time. And I, and I guess just his inability to be, you know, more than what he really was, was what gave him such a bad look in San Diego, which isn't, which isn't fair. Um, but I guess it's a long-winded way of me saying, like, yes, I don't think that he's going to hit 330 this year, but I still think that Eric Hosmer is going to be a good, productive player for the Padres. Yeah.
1: So. No more through there.
0: Yeah. Um, one more hot start for you, and then we'll move on to some of the cold ones. Um, this one is really interesting for me, um, and I want to know what you think. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little twofer here because they both play for the same team. And this team has not done nearly as bad as we thought they were going to. And that's the Colorado Rockies. And I'm talking about CJ Crone and Jose Iglesias, who at this point, as I'm looking at it, are both hitting three 11. Um, Krohn has really been um, the story with uh 11 homers, 32 RBIs, 10 doubles. Um, Talk about the power numbers. I mean, he's been there. Um, And Iglesias, you know, he hasn't played, gotten as many at-bats. But he's still been there. So what do you think? I mean, I I guess it could be a three-parter. Do you buy either of their hot starts? And do you think the Rockies are... Do you think that maybe we were too harsh on them early in the year and they might be a better team than we thought?
1: Um, so I'm going to start with CJ Crone because I'm a huge fan of him. Okay. Um, you know, he had a big year last year in Colorado. I thought 28 homers, 92 RBIs. He hit 281. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, he had 30 homers in 2018. Um, since, so the past two years since he's been in Colorado, he's, had his career best average last year. He hit 281. Now he's sitting three eleven. Um, so he's obviously found a home in Colorado, whether that's playing course field or not. I don't really want to dive into that, but, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, Iglesias has been really good for them. He's always been a good defender. Uh, he's sitting three eleven now, right now in the year, which is fantastic. Um, uh, So, you know, if he hits his, the defense he brings, you know, it's tremendous. Um, Connor, Joe has been a great story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally a dude that nobody knew of, um, just absolutely balling out right now. Um, really, really fun guy to keep up with Brandon Rogers got off to a really bad start, but since he got called back up, he's been raking. uh, Um, that's a really good sign for the Rockies. He was one of their high draft picks a few years ago. Um, so yeah, they've had a lot of good signs, but with that being said, uh, the division they play in is brutal. I don't think you know that they're. I don't think they have any chances here. To be honest with you, they've. Yeah. Marquez has really struggled. I think he needs to get out of Colorado. Uh, he can. He's a really good pitcher stuff wise, but I think he just needs to change scenery. And if somebody can get him at deadline, that would be huge for um, that team. Yeah. And then also, I mean, you just, you look at the teams they got to play, like the Diamondbacks have been a surprise team. They've been, they've got a lot of really good young players yeah. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. The Giants are tough. The Padres are really good. The Dodgers are really good. So I think the, the Rockies are, you know, a solid team, but they've got, you know, they got issues in the pen. Their lineup's good. It's not great. And in the starting rotation, it, it's the same thing every year in Colorado. You know, it's it's so hard to pitch out there yeah um that you know they've got you know they've got guys kyle freeland marquez um got really good stuff yeah you know like sends um um has been really good, good this stuff. year too yeah yeah you know you got stuff that like you got guys that i think in any other stadium would yeah. have really good numbers but it's just so hard to to be a good pitcher in colorado
0: no, you're definitely right. And, you, you know, you look at the standings, too. They are in last place, 20 and 22. Um, it it It's just I'm not I don't necessarily think at I don't think that they even have a shot at sniffing for a division title. Like, there's no way I don't really even think they have a chance at a wild card, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think I'm being crazy by saying that. But, like, I just think that, like, you know, it, it was one of those lineups where, like, when they were having success earlier in the year, I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, like, this lineup isn't that bad." Like, when you've got CJ Crone, you know, you've still got a Charlie Blackman who's, you know, he's a professional hitter. Um, and then it's like, but like, what are you going to get from Chris Bryant? You know, it Bryant's a guy where, like, you know, if he gives you what you expect from Chris Bryant which I, I know, I mean, a lot of baseball fans now, we don't really know what to expect from Chris Bryant, but you know, if you expect a Chris Bryant in the past, you expect the first round pick Brendan Rodgers, that everyone thought they were going to get. That's a pretty good lineup. Um, especially when you've got guys like Connor Joe who are, uh, you know, coming out of nowhere, breaking out and you've got uh, a Jose Iglesias, um, maybe, you know, having a, a good offensive year, then it becomes a lineup where you're like, okay, like maybe they could do something, but they're just not deep enough. Um, and you look at the other lineups in, in this division where even the, I, I, the Diamondbacks pitching staff has been out of this world. Good. Um, they're just the the thing about the Diamondbacks is they just sometimes look like a little league team when they're, when they're playing. Um, and then, you know, the, the Giants and the and the Padres and the Dodgers are all teams that are going to be there at the end of the year. So, and, and, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that the Rockies have, a you know, the worst run differential in the league. Um, so, you know, that's the tough part. Yes, they have a good record at home, but they're still giving up a lot of runs in those games. So. I don't know. I think it's interesting to look at. But when you look at some of the cold starts, like I mentioned earlier, the one that I really would like to highlight, and it pains me to do this because I've loved watching him play over these last uh, couple of years. um, But this is a guy who signed a huge contract, and he has just been... You know, not only the worst player on his team, statistically pretty much, but like one of the worst players in baseball, Marcus Semyon. Currently, his slash line is not ideal, to say the least. It's 181, 241, 232. His slugging percentage is lower than his on-base percentage. Um, For those of you math geniuses, that is a 473 OPS. Do you buy the cold start?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I don't think it's going to get any better for all you Texas Rangers fans out there, the few, the proud, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he was, he had an insane year last year, but he's another example of a guy who had an insane year the year before he became a free agent. Um, him and also Robbie Ray, two guys that had, you know, years way above what they usually have sure. and got paid for it. you know, instead of getting paid for what they have done in the past. And I mean Simeon's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's yeah. an all-star caliber player. And I think, you know, he's just probably at you know at some point it's gotta get in your head more about how much he's getting paid. And he doesn't want to let you know the team down, stuff like that. Um but yeah, I think it's going to be a tough first year for him in Texas. I think it will get better, but, um, I, you know, I I don't – he just – he hasn't at any point in the year really had a couple – you know, like even just at-bats where it's like, all right, he's getting going or like he's looking better, you know, or had a couple days where he had a couple you know, multi-hit games. It's really just been Struggle City from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a guy who – Broke a record last year for home runs by a second baseman with 45. He has not hit a home run yet this year in 155 at bats. Um, It's been really difficult watching him for sure. Um, He's really, and I don't know, he was really the one that stood out. I mean, there's other players who have gotten off to cold starts for sure. Um, He's the one that really stood out to me. The other the other one I want to ask you about, the last one, and this isn't, he hasn't necessarily like it's not like he's gotten off to a cold start, but this is a it's kind of a different question where you look at the um what he did last year, and obviously, you know, everything that Shohei Otani did last year was was insane and and like otherworldly. But you look at a guy who hit um I mean forty-six homers, a hundred RBIs last year. Um he did strike out a lot last year, but those offensive numbers speak for themselves. And then, you know, obviously you throw in the three one eight in 130 innings pitched, um uh, you know, with 156 punch outs and you know, you've got yourself an MVP and one of the best seasons in the MLB of all time, probably, if not the best. But this year, what I want to ask is, as you look at his offensive stats, nine homers, 28 RBIs, and a 257 average, nothing to scoff at at all. Those are still good. But what's interesting to me is I look at his pitching numbers, 282 ERA this year, um, in 38 innings pitched, he's got 53 strikeouts do you think that this year, do we see a little bit of a, do we think we see a decrease in Shohei Otani's offensive production? And do you think that we see him become better as a pitcher along with that? Because and I'll give you my reasoning and then let me know what you think. I think it's much easier for the league to adjust to him as a hitter. Or I think it's, I think it's harder for him to sustain the level of offense that he put forth last year. I think it's harder for him to do that than it is for him to make adjustments to the league as a pitcher and like hone the fact that he throws a hundred and has a splitter that's unhittable, has a slider that's unhittable. Like, I think he not only can be a better pitcher this year than he was last year, but like win a Cy Young award. I, what do you think? Do you think that,
1: do you see that fluctuation happening? Yeah, I think, so I think when he pitches and hits, um he is a, I mean, he's always been a dominant pitcher, except for when he was hurt and kind of turned back. I think the reason why last year's first half was so good was because the year before he didn't pitch, He was hurt and they struggled and it was just, they kind of shut him down and he had all this time to just focus on hitting. And he's such a talented guy that if he was just a hitter, I'm convinced he could hit 275 to 300 every year with 30 home runs. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you have to focus on being a big league starter, the ACE also, and you know, a a top three hitter, that's obviously a lot. So I think when he's asked to do both, I think, outside of the first half of last year he is a 250 to 260 hitter with home runs and RBIs and all the other great stuff he does and ace pitcher which i think the angels obviously would take any day of the week because you know yeah he's not i don't think it's i think it's too hard for him to be a 300 hitter and pitch yeah but i think him showing up and hitting 255 with you know he's going to hit 30 home runs this year i think and 80 to 90 RBIs, I would take that 100% and take the the ace stuff over yeah. a guy that, over him being hurt and not pitching and hitting 300 because I think he's more important to them pitching-wise, but the offense he brings is also, you know, a, obviously a big factor. And this is why he's one of the best players in the world and one of the most insanely talented guys. You make a really good... um
0: you make a really good point when you say that, and I agree with you 100%. He is way more valuable to this team as a pitcher than he is a hitter, which is insane because the year he had last year, you know, he was 46 and 100 in terms of home runs and RBIs. I think to your point about his average, he's right where he was last year. Um, I I don't think he's ever going to be a 300 guy, even when he's not, you know, uh, even when he's not, I guess, pitching, or he, even if he wasn't focusing on pitching, I don't think he would be a 300 guy. Um, I still think he could, uh, you know, I, I think he's got the skills to do it, but I think he's, you know, he wants to hit homers. Um, and drive it, hard. but, but to your point, I, I think that I just think, and, and also like what I said earlier, I just think his, his stuff and his ability, like the adjustments that he's going to be able to make and continue to make pitching, um, uh, as a pitcher are, are going to way outpace what he does as a hitter. I mean, if you look, the the thing about last year is, you know, he, he, in, in, let's see, he's he threw 130 innings last year, um, walked 44. Um, I, I think I, the nice thing is that his strikeout to walk ratio right now, um, I gotta find it, but I'm pretty sure his strikeout to walk ratio right now is a lot lower, um, Yes, it is. 3.04, it's 211 uh, those are walks per nine. Um, strikeout to walk um, a lot higher this year, 5.89, 3.5 last year. Um, I think the, the adjustments that he's making as a pitcher are going to make him that much more valuable, where you're not going to notice the fact that his offense might teeter off a little bit. And yeah. you're still going to be like, I mean, this guy is just, where he falters in one category, he makes up for it in the other, and he's just as valuable. And going back to what I said, going back to what you said, sorry, um, he's way more valuable as a pitcher, I think, because that's always what the Angels needed.
1: Yeah, no, so. I, pitching wise, I mean, whenever he just goes at people and doesn't walk people, he's phenomenal. Yeah, I think yeah. if that's the biggest thing he can learn, um, you know, sometimes when he was younger, first couple of years, he would be too cute with his pitches, I guess, and like trying, mm-hmm. you know, throw everything in the corners. When you got stuff like that, man, you just go right at people. Yeah. You, know, you limit the walks and just go right at them. She's done a great job of this year. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, To finish up, I want to ask you,
0: um, when you look at New York baseball teams, we'll finish up by talking about them because um we are, I mean, These two New York baseball teams are arguably in each division. Obviously, you've got the Dodgers, but these are the two best teams in baseball. What percentage do you give it or or what chance do you think that we have to get a Subway Series World Series? Do you think that either team and and obviously already this year, the Mets now they're going to lose Scherzer for a while now, too. You never know him and DeGrom might come back at the same time, whatever. That's a lot to ask though. Um, The Yankees, um, we've seen it. uh, We've seen them be the best team in baseball this year for a certain stretch. But we also know last year, they're a team of street. They are very streaky. They're hot and cold. Um, Where at times like last year, they'll look like, oh, this team's going to win the division. And then at times it's like, are they even going to make the playoffs? And they barely did last year. Granted, they won 90 games and it, and people thought it was a down year. That's just how good they are and how consistent they are every year. What do you think our chances are of seeing as baseball fans a Mets-Yankees World Series?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's pretty good. It's a lot higher than it's been in a long time. Um, yeah. I think i you know i'm I still question the Yankees more of um the fact that th- their pitching's been really good this year, but I still need to see it in the playoffs with a few sure. of the guys I think Severino coming back's huge um the lineup's a little bit old, um but as long as judge and Stanton are healthy, the Yankees are gonna be one of the best teams in baseball um you know, they've they've got a lot of good players, obviously. The Mets, I mean, I've been high the Mets the entire year. I yeah. think the Mets have something special going on, and I think they're going to go to the World Series. Um, I think, it's obviously, it's a huge loss with Scherzer going down, but thank God he recognized that he had something going on and didn't make it worse because yeah. he's a psychopath, and he could pitch through pretty much anything. So, yeah. you know, it's a good thing that he didn't. Um, but, I, I mean, I still think they're – You know, I'm looking at that division and, you know, they've still got Bassett, McGill, Walker, Peterson. Um, I know Williams is five, but, you know, he's been doing all right. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at the division, I mean, the Braves are off to a bad start. they got a lot of guys struggling at the plate. The Phillies, I do think, will make a run at some point. But, I mean, all the Mets have to do is play 500 until Scherzer and Grom come back and then just take off. And I think that team – I think the Mets are – I think they're going to win – close to hundred games, if not hundred games, I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, so I think just the fact that both teams, I think are going to make the playoffs gives you a really good shot at seeing a subway series, um, which would be totally awesome. Insane. But, I, I
0: think if, if there's a, if there's a subway series, I think both of us, we empty whatever money we have in the bank account and we go see that. Cause that's yeah, like
1: hundred percent.
0: Right. I mean, 100%. I, I mean, that's must see. That's going to be insane, not only for, you know, fans of either team, but like fans of the game and the game in general. Like imagine that, like the New York, the New York teams being on the biggest stage. Yeah, Baseball needs that. would that. be,
1: yeah. Oh. That would be must-watch, unbelievable stuff. Um, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. The fact that, that it's would this
0: early and the Mets have an eight-game lead in the division, I mean, that's that's. I mean, obviously, like we saw last year, collapses can happen, and they do happen. Yeah, um,
1: but this team's different. Buck you know yes, di- it's a different yeah. manager and yeah. different team. But I also, I'm going to throw this out there. I think Atlanta, you know, they're doing the same thing they did last year, but I think they don't turn it on at the deadline. And I think that the Braves have, I I'm very worried about the Braves. I think they could finish with 81 wins, Um, I don't, I mean, they're, they're ridiculously talented, but I mean, Olsen has been so bad lately. Austin Riley struggling, Dansby, like they are scuffling. So that's, that's the question
0: I wanted to, I actually was thinking just now is, you know, and obviously we saw this last year, like you mentioned, the Braves were not great. They got a few pieces at the deadline and then obviously, obviously they won the world series. So like they're, you know, they were great last year in that sense. But what I want to know is like, and this is something that I've been questioning and not just because I'm a fan of a different team in the division, but are the Braves a are the Braves, like, are they not as good as maybe we all think, and maybe they just got hot at the right time last year and carried yeah. that moment. Cause they do have great pitching. But there are a lot of teams with great pitching who, you know, don't do what the Braves did last year. Um, it's more normal to have great pitching these days than it is. Exactly. To, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have a good look. I mean, are the Braves – I think they're really talented. And they still have the best player – one of the best players in baseball in Acuna. And, you know, I, I don't know. I – I don't want to say that because, you know, this is a team that's capable of easily just turning it on. And, and, but the, the hole that they've dug themselves and the way that they've played the incons how inconsistent they've looked, I, I have to ask the question, like, are they, are the Braves maybe not as good as we all thought they were going to be? Or maybe they're not yeah, as good as, we I mean, I, I don't
1: think they're that good. I think they just got hot at the end of the year last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're just so damn talented and Acuna's back. back. Uh, they got the younger Contreras behind the mm-hmm. dish. It's just hitting nukes every night. Mm-hmm. Matt Olson's a stud. I know he's been struggling. Um, Darno's good. Albies. Um, Austin Riley had a big year last year. Ozuna's back. I think it's just right now, all of their guys in the lineup are struggling and, you know, like when things – if things go – like in a perfect world, if the Braves had things go the way they thought, if they would go and had guys like Austin Riley and Olson hitting the way they thought they would, then they would be a really good team with a chance to win 90-plus games. But, you know, Austin Riley had a really good – the year last year, but he, he kind of struggled before that. Like, Olson in his career has had a couple of years where he struggled. Like, right. you know, are we seeing – those guys, you know, are we gonna keep seeing Austin Riley at 2:30 and Matt Olson at 2:40, or are they gonna get hot? That's that's just a question for right. me. But if you know, if we come back and it's July and they're still hitting, they're not hitting as a team. Then I think we'll be having the conversation of, you know, where is this team's future?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, like it, you can't just blow up your outfield every year and and yeah. that in hopes that, you know in hopes that they catch fire and
1: find magic it was, like they did yeah. last year. They, I mean, they had to last year, we couldn't be going out, but now that he's right. back, like you gotta, you gotta have a solid, you know, group of guys. Yeah. yeah. And it do, it doesn't help that, you know, Charlie Morton
0: has been pretty bad so far this yeah. year. And um, that might be, you
1: know, father time catching up with
0: him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it very well could be. Um, I mean, Ian Anderson's been a very bright spot for them so far this year so that's been good to see um but yeah i mean it it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch with the braves especially the way that um like you said the mets have been playing i mean they're not so far they haven't taken their foot off the gas a lot can happen but um they've been playing well last question of the pod and then we'll get going um There have been rumors swirling Juan Soto that the Nationals may be interested in trading him. Obviously, there isn't a team out there that doesn't want Juan Soto on their team. I mean, I don't even think, is there even a package that a team could put together that would make it worth it for the Nationals to trade Juan Soto? Uh,
1: it's a hard question to answer I, I mean I, I mean don't, yeah I, don't know. I mean yeah it would just have to be like Soto for about you know three serviceable guys and three prospects right but it's just a question of who you, what team it is and who you're willing to give up yeah you know the Dodgers if if the Dodgers are calling and they're telling me that you know we'll get you know Dodgers will get Soto for Gavin Lux let's say Bellinger and five of their top 10 prospects. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll be listening, but you know, I, I don't think Washington really, unless it's just an offer, you can't refuse should, You know, it's Juan Soto, man. That's, you, know, right. you gotta, you gotta, and also, I mean, that deal, you bet, you can't just get a couple of guys that are big leaguers. You need them all to be big leaguers and you need a couple of them to be all stars. Yes, or else yeah. you're just going to be giving away Juan Soto before he came in his prime, which is in. I mean, Juan Soto's prime is yeah. Hall of Fame. Where I mean, he's built. It's a Hall one of thing to press. trade away Trey Turner last year the deadline. True. I understand. You know, they've got they got uh, Josiah Gray, but and keeper reads. Needs- yeah, true, true. So yeah, you know, it's it's another thing to trade away Juan Soto. That's you know, you know Ken Griffey Jr. Better be in that deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and I don't think this is crazy to say
0: trading away Juan soda right now at age 23 would be like trading away Mike Trout at age 23. Like it really is. They're, they're that comparable in terms of the hit tool. The, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think if you're the nationals, like you do whatever it takes to sign him and you just, you do whatever you can to build around him. I mean, it is one. Uh, my one concern for that is, and this might not be a concern because I would love to see him on another team out of the division, so that or on the Mets, Steve Cohen, you know, open up the open up the wallet, throw the bag at Juan Soto. Um, but uh, the Nationals got their World Series with him. Is do you think that you know is that part of their their thought process where like, oh, you know, not that they got everything that they could out of Juan Soto because he's two years older than me. He's 23, you know, but like, I mean, do you think that that plays a role into it? I think it would be, I think that this would be, do you think that this would be different if the nationals hadn't won a world series with Juan Soto yet?
1: Um, yeah. Or I mean, I, I think it, it definitely helps the fact that, you know, they've won a world series um, with him already, but I don't, I don't think it plays much just because, I mean, the dude's, you know, not even his prime and he's one of the best players. Like you would, it would have to be, you know, like I said, a lot to, uh, to trade him away, but I don't know. I mean, it's, if, if I think if, they if the Nationals are continuing to struggle and he's entering like his 25 26 27 years and you know he's just being a monster and they're like listen like it's just not going to work out with us with him let's see what we can get I think that would be when you could possibly get the most Great. value for him yeah. um but I don't know it's you know it's one of those well, things it's is- like man you gotta really I mean you gotta really get it right because that's one. I mean you could get you could look really bad if you don't win that trade. Well, that's a thing and he's he's going to be a free agent
0: after next season. So that's something you have to think about too where you know, you either give him, you know, half a billion dollars honestly or yeah. you start trying to put together a package right now because he's just going to walk in 2 years to the, you know, the highest bidder which is probably not going to be the nationals. Um, But it's like you said, I mean, you're trading, you uh, obviously, uh, I mean, we saw with the Red Sox, they got rid of Mookie Betts. Um, And Mookie Betts at that point was, you know, he was a, he was, Mike Trout was a, Mookie Betts was a, or whatever, you know, he was the, Mike Trout was like elite, Mookie Betts was just right there, but just a little bit. You know, he was elite less kind of, um, and but Juan Soto is like he's just so much better than that, and he's also three years younger. So it's like that you're trading away a future Hall of Famer. It's no yeah. question, and that's what you have no, to you about if you're the Nationals. Yeah. So you've got to get at least you know you have to get bona fide All Stars in that deal. Yeah. So yeah, cause you're trading away a perennial MVP candidate every year. So you're it, trading away probably the best young hitter in baseball. You, oh, easily. Yeah. I, I think it's not even yeah. a question. You're trading away the yeah. best young hitter in baseball, potentially one of the best hitters of all time. I think is it mm-hmm. like literally is what the stuff. he's yeah. doing So yeah. crazy. And we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, anyways, it's been a nice long podcast for us. Um, Uh, it was definitely well needed after the, uh, you know, all the stuff we missed. But, um, again, thanks so much everyone for tuning in. If you're still with us at this point, um, make sure you wish Maddie Chase, good luck this upcoming weekend, Friday and Saturday against Catholic. Who is it? Catholic. Catholic. Good. Um, he'll be locked in all week. And hopefully by the time we come to you next week, you're looking at a super regional champion. Fingers crossed. Um, That's the podcast as a reminder, as always eat your Chipotle Um, (laughs) and uh, any
1: parting words of wisdom before we. Yeah. um, I mean, just make sure you get double steak. Um, Oh, there. see, you know me too well. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Do, uh, do whatever makes you happy, guys. But yeah, George yeah. boy. Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks oh, for yeah. tuning in, guys. Take care.